You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. poor, they're blind, they're lame, things are not going so well, they're crippled. The difference is <laughs> their hearts are more fertile. Go find some needy people and invite them to my bank. People who will more likely respond to the invitation. Because life's not going so well. Comfort and blessings can cause you to grow complacent for your need of a Savior and eternal life with God. It's all too easy to dismiss Jesus' invitation to eternal salvation because you're too busy with this or that. It's because of this that God issues the invitation to the poor, the needy, the far-off, and the different. They are more willing to hear and heed the invitation. Pastor Danny will explain the extension of Jesus' invitation to believe in Him for eternal life and the call of His servants to extend the invitation far and wide. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Luke, chapter 13, as he continues his message, Parable of the Great Banquet. So we pause, just to ask the question, very good question. What are my priorities in life? What are my priorities in life? Personal pursuits, romantic relationship. It's a great challenge, isn't it? You know, it's a challenge for even those of us who really have accepted the invitation. We have been born again. We are followers of Jesus Christ. But back in Luke chapter 8, it's interesting in the parable of the seed and the sower. It's interesting that those that fell among thorns, the seed among thorns, the, the thorns come in and, and it's life's riches, it's life's worries, it's life's pleasures. And they come in and they choke the word. And you don't mature and you don't bear fruit. I, I note also in the parable the intense, and it is intense, it's an intense desire by the master Listen, for the house to be full, for the banquet to be packed. The first ones make the excuses. They're too preoccupied with the affairs of this life. And so he says, go out and find others. He wants his house to be full. Now, I want to pause here. I want to slow down a little bit. And let's, let's look at this, this servant's responsibility and the goal of having the house full. The servant's responsibility. And the first thing he tells him, first thing he tells him, here's what he says. Since all these people are too preoccupied with life, you go find needy people, needy people. Now, let's think about that. Let's think about it. Just leave that up for a minute. Let's think about it. Does that mean God loves the needy people more than he loves the other ones? No, 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 no. 
He wants uh, the others. He wants everybody there. God's not willing that any should perish. He wants everybody there. The difference is these people, things aren't going so well in life. They're poor. They're blind. They're lame. Things are not going so well. They're crippled. The difference is <laughs> their hearts are more fertile. Go find some needy people and invite them to my banquet. People who will more likely respond to the invitation because life's not going so well. Second thing he says is reach out beyond your borders. We're going to come back to that. Third thing he says Don't be satisfied until the house is full. Don't be satisfied until the house is full. And then the fourth thing he says is, and I put them together, go quickly and be aggressive. Don't do this casually. Go quickly. Why? Because time is short. And I want to tell you, look, I've been pastoring a long time. I've been studying and teaching the Bible a long time, but I was so convicted by this text in a good way, in a very good way. I was convicted. A pastor can live in a bubble. It's easy to live in a bubble. You know, we're, we're busy. The relaunch of this ministry, you know, one of the things we do now, we spend a lot of time with people, people in the church. We spend a lot of new people in the church. Uh, they want to have us over for dinner or take us out to dinner. Absolutely. Especially when you're buying, we'll say yes right away. We just had dinner with a new couple last week. They bought. Praise the Lord. And it was a great meal. We had a great time with them. We're spending a lot of time with people. I give my phone number out to anybody who wants it. Doesn't mean I'll call you back, but you can have my number. I'm a fellowship junkie now. And that's not, if you knew me from the past, that's not me. It's the new me. But I'm telling you, it's easy to live in a bubble, a Christian bubble. I don't want to live in a Christian bubble. I love you. But I want to do what the parable said. I want to find needy people. I want to invite them over. I want to reach out beyond our own borders. I don't want to be satisfied until the house is full. And what is, when is the house full? We're going to come back to that one. <laughs> Let's think about them a little more deeply, one at a time. Find needy people. Invite them to the banquet. Now, what we preachers can do, and it's not wrong to do this, but we, we would apply this, for example, in this way. We know the great banquet uh, is the wedding supper of the Lamb. So we know the invitation is to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And so I could take this and say, okay, church, church, uh, we need to find some needy people and invite them to the banquet. Uh, for example, we have some special services coming up at Easter. We have a sunrise service at the Vinoy. Uh, we have a great service at, at the Mahaffey Theater. It's a great opportunity for us as a church, not just to come ourselves and enjoy the services and enjoy the sunrise, but to reach out and invite others to come so that as we give the gospel message, they might have an opportunity to be saved. Now, is it wrong to do that? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Find some people that you work with, people that your neighbors, people that you run into, uh, go out of your way and, and go out of your way and find people and invite them because we want to invite them to the banquet. We're serving up Jesus. 
And while that is an, there's an okay application of the text, let me go back to the more literal interpretation and application of the text. And the more literal is, he's talking about a real meal, a physical meal, at a real home with some very real hosts. I'm convicted. How many times in my Christian life have I invited not just family and friends and people that I like and enjoy to hang out with, how many times have I gone out and found needy people and invited them to my house with the express purpose of just loving on them and hopefully, hopefully being a witness for Jesus Christ to them? I'm convicted. Let me tell you what I have not been able to get off my mind for months and months and months. People tell me I'm a visionary. My wife tells me, you know, I can start one here and I can jump over here and I can jump over here and I can I mean, do this and do this. I don't know how we're going to do it. Let's just do it. I'm not a detailed guy. I'm just a visionary guy. Every now and then I get, every now and then I get a vision from God. I pray this one's from God because it certainly fits in with the text. You know what I want to do? I want to do this personally. I want to do this personally. But guess what? We can do it as a church. What might it look like? I put in my notes, a meal is a very personal activity. It represents and promotes relationship and community. Large churches often miss this very crucial element of Christianity. What if our focus as a church was more relational, more community-centered, which is exactly what the text teaches? What if, and I'll just give you an example, example. Now, it may play out a little differently, but let me give you an example. Uh, Let's say this service, there were no more seats, or by church growth standards, we were full. Well, what, what is full by church growth standards? 80% 80% of your auditorium, they teach this, 80% of your, if 80% of the chairs are taken in a service, you're full. You're not going to grow beyond that. You've got to figure out how to get more chairs, how to get more space, all right? And what happens is, you know, just like in, in my ministry in the past, you know, we ended up in a Walmart. We just kept getting bigger building and bigger building and bigger building. <laughs> you know what I want to see here and what God wants to see here? He wants to see no room. It's because God loves a full house, right? Well, what are we going to do if that happens? Here's what we ought to do, and here's what the vision is. Here's what I can't get off my mind. What if you hosted a group, and you had a contingency of people in the fellowship, two, three, four, five, six, eight, ten people, whatever, whatever the number is, and you host a meeting, and you have an assigned Sunday, and that Sunday, let's just pretend today is your Sunday, and you know that this Sunday, it's the second Sunday or the third Sunday or the first Sunday, whatever it is, but that's your Sunday, and it's going to happen either once a month or once every two months, but on a rotating basis, on a regular basis, instead of coming to the campus, instead of coming to the campus, you're going to meet at home, and these things are working, so why couldn't it work? It's called a satellite thing, but you do it in your home. And instead of coming to the service, you're going you're gonna to get a big screen, nice as you can, and you're going to watch the live stream of the service. If you've got somebody that can play a guitar and sing on tune, great. If not, just sing to the tube or just don't sing at all during that part. And for that particular Sunday, your main focus is you're going to listen to the message. Maybe you're going to have a few minutes and let's talk about it, however you want to structure it. But here's, here's what I wrote down. Here's what it does. Listen, listen. 
It's an opportunity for personal evangelism because the goal would not be for you to become comfortable with those group of people. The goal would be, and you would know this is the goal, the goal would be to find needy people and invite them to your home. And you tell them, hey, we're having a church service at our house. We're just watching our main church service this particular Sunday. We do it once a month. We do it once every two months. We'd like you to come, and we're going to have a meal. And you want to have a meal that entices them, putting some ribeye on the Barbie. <laughs> and then you talk about all the fixings and all the other things, you know, and it, it's going to be great. We'd love to have you come. And you just invite them over. It's an opportunity for personal evangelism. It creates community. It limits the need. Listen, listen. It limits the need for a larger church facility. What if it were to grow? Let's just say, for example, we end up with 20 groups, 20 groups, and they're divided by Sundays, five groups, and you divide them. Yours is the 11 o'clock service, but on that particular Sunday, you're not on the campus, and those people with you that are contingency, they're not on the campus. That means we don't have to have a seat for you. You say, what about kids? We'll solve that problem. But a lot of us are older. We don't have to deal with the kids. A lot of us are older. Some of us have small kids. And if you can't do it because of your kids, that's fine. But a lot of us can do it. And you're rotating. And let's say you got 20 groups that are rotating. And your church can grow numerically without having to build a bigger building. And did I tell you? Did I share with you? It's an opportunity for personal evangelism. It creates community. It limits the need for larger facilities. Get this. Number four. Number four. You live out the text. You're actually doing it. You're not just reading about it or listening to it and go, well, not a great word. No, 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 we're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> Let me tell you how excited I get. Listen, I get so excited about this. Can't get it off my mind for months. But now, because of the parable, I'm going deeper. I started thinking about some of the people in the church. And I know some of them have really nice houses. The house in itself is an attraction. And some of the people that you'll invite, they would never go into a house like that because nobody's going to invite them in a house like that. I started meditating on it more. I know of two people in our church, two people in our church that not only have nice houses, guess what? They have, are you ready for this? Yachts. I'm talking Yacht with a capital Y. I've only been on one. That's just for a few minutes. He showed me around. It's five bedrooms, maybe six. It might be six bedrooms. That's a yacht. You imagine hosting a meal on a yacht with Jesus as the guest of honor and inviting some needy people and coming and inviting them to the greatest banquet eternally. You don't shove Jesus down their throat. You don't have some kind of canned program. You just love on them and you be who you are. Wow, I get excited. But but wait a minute. I just kept thinking about it even more. And here's what I put in my notes. Listen, listen. I've been thinking about this a lot. Some of us have some really nice houses that would be perfect for this kind of ministry. I can envision a group of people sitting around watching the CCF live stream on comfortable cushioned couches. A big screen TV with surround sound. 
the smell of barbecue in the background, sipping on an iced tea, munching on some delicious appetizers. Some of you are thinking, I wish we'd have done it today. (laughs) But wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought more deeply. I said the longer I thought about it, the more I realized that what would be a great surprise to everyone at the main service is to occasionally broadcast from poolside or from the yacht. And I would do the message from the yacht, and you wouldn't know what Sunday it was going to be, but one Sunday you show up, and all of a sudden you're watching me on the live screen from the yacht, sipping on the iced tea and shrimp cocktail. And I'm totally serious. Let's do it. Let's do it. How exciting. But before I close... Second thing he tells the servant to do, reach beyond your borders. Wake them up. I was in Mexico for six days in the relaunch of the ministry. I'm going back to where we started many, many years ago. The way our missions program started was I started going places, praying God opened the doors, and God began to open the doors. Now, we have already some great connections and We want to get behind things like that, and we're getting ready to take those steps. But God led us to Mexico. It was an open door to go and see the work there. And the the mother church that is responsible, they've already planted 29 Calvary chapels, 29, 29 Calvary chapels, 26 in Mexico, one in Canada, two in the U.S. Pretty bad in the U.S. when Mexicans are sending... People to plant churches here. <laughs> and it was so exciting. Pastor Mike, he's the mother church pastor that started all this. God used to start all this. And I listened to his message, and he talked about five characteristics of a healthy church. Five characteristics of a healthy church. And number five, number five was vision beyond your own community. Reach out beyond your borders. That's what the servant was told to do. Reach out beyond your borders. We have a tremendous opportunity, fresh opportunity. Despite all the other missions that we'll be supporting and already have connection with, we have an opportunity to link up now with this church that started 29 churches already. And the 29th church that was started, we were there for the first service last Sunday night. I get emotional. It was so exciting. The place was packed. Some of the people there were from the church that started that church, the church that was hosting the conference. And so what I wanted to know was how many people there are from that mother church that started this church and how many people are brand new? Guess how the church starts? With a group meeting in a home. And when the group meeting in the home gets large enough, they have a called pastor and he goes out and he plants through that house church. Novel idea. The house church grew to 30 people. The pastor that's called has to reach 12 men. 12 men. They reach men first, and the foundation of the church is the male. It grew to 30. More than 12 men. They planted the church. I asked the pastor afterwards, how many people were from the mother church because the place had... Over 100 people. Over 100. It was just packed. The worship was off the chart good. It was just tremendous. 
from the 30 people that were the core to plant the church, that first service, 30 brand new people came that they reached. 30 brand new people that they invited. 60 people. And two men got saved that day. Whoa! You talk about exciting, man. Now we have an opportunity. I, I went to Philippians chapter 1 where Paul thanked the Philippian church for their partnership in the gospel. And then in chapter 4 he closes and he thanks them for the repeated financial offerings that they sent to him to help him in his life and ministry. Met a young guy there. He's in a church planning class in the mother church up further north in Mexico. We got to hang out together. He's a young guy. He has a background like mine. He was a drug addict. He was a drug dealer. And he gloriously saved. And God's got his hand on his life. And he's potentially the first guy we could come alongside. And we could partner with. And see a church planted. And people reached. Listen, this is a way practically to reach beyond our own borders in places like Mexico. We're going to be involved in other places too, but this is a fresh open door that I am so, so, so excited about. What's the third thing he said? Don't be satisfied till the house is full. How do you know when the house is full? Is that when we just don't have any more room and we got, we're just packed? No. How do I know that? Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. How do we know when the house is full? Verse 25, Romans chapter 11. I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Now, if that doesn't make sense to you, let me put it very simply. When the last person to be saved is saved, That's when the house is full. Let me put it in another very simple but biblical way. The house is not full until Jesus returns. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. There's a lot of room. There's a lot of room. When is the house full? When Jesus returns. Never be satisfied with the size of the congregation. Never, 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 ever until Jesus comes. Last thing he told him, act quickly because time is short. Act quickly and be aggressive. Don't do this thing casually. Don't have a casual attitude about it because people are dying. One last thought I put in order to do these things, we'll have to get out of our regular routine in life. Here's what a routine is. It's a sequence of actions regularly followed. It's a fixed program, and it's so easy to fall into a routine. It's easy to fall into a routine as a pastor. But what happens, listen, if you fall into a routine that misses the Spirit of God and misses obedience to clear text like the one before us this morning, Here's what happens. You become stagnant. You can become stagnant as an individual believer. You can become stagnant as a church. You cease to flow with the Spirit. You cease to move. You become inactive and dull. God help us that that 
doesn't happen to us. We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. More information can be found on our website. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and offer you an opportunity to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? During this time of uncertainty in our nation, prayer is a powerful tool to combat fear and to promote peace in Jesus. Please pray that each person that hears these messages from the life of Jesus are touched and changed by His love. Please pray also for us. We want to continue following God's plan for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to the living work? If you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and then click on the online giving guide under forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share this good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website, one more time, is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for being a part of our time here on The Living Word.